This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This episode number 49 entitled Moses and High Human Christology. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and I am your host. Last week, we began to explore how Jewish literature depicts certain human beings as recipients of God's invested attributes, privileges, and traits. This empowerment of God's attributes into human beings allowed for a helpful lens through which readers can better understand the New Testament Gospels in their Christological portrayals of Jesus Christ, a human being who is also mightily invested with God's attributes. In other words, to say that Jesus Christ does and says things that sound like actions and words reserved for Yahweh alone does not one-to-one equate Jesus with Yahweh. Rather, it follows the well-documented example of Jews depicting other human figures acting as God's empowered agents. This is what I like to call high human Christology. Having noted that the primordial human being Adam shared in God's own rule, glory, worship, and image, we can turn to this week's episode to look at another human agent of God, the prophet Moses. Moses is introduced in the book of Exodus and is remembered within Judaism as the person whom God used to redeem the Israelites from Egypt and to deliver the Torah to his people. As the human being who stood in the gap between God and the Israelites, he was remembered as a prophetic figure representing God with many of God's attributes and privileges. For this episode, I am again drawing upon the work of Daniel Kirk in his book, A Man Attested by God. Let's begin to explore how Moses was invested with God's traits before looking at how these instances illuminate the high human Christological depictions of Jesus Christ in the New Testament Gospels. Our first point today is that Moses is called God by God himself. Functioning as a prophetic figure for God, Moses is called Elohim, the Hebrew noun for God, twice in the book of Exodus. In the first instance, Moses acts as God to Aaron. The passage reads, quote, Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. That's Exodus chapter 4 and verse 16. In this verse, God tells Moses that he will be as God to Aaron. A few chapters later, God makes a similar declaration about Moses and his empowerment. In Exodus chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I will make you God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. That's Exodus chapter 7 and verse 1. Many translations attempt to soften the blow of this passage by adding the word as before the word God, suggesting that Moses would only be as God or like God. But the Hebrew is absolutely clear that the Lord, Yahweh, 
openly calls Moses God here without any reservation. This does not infringe upon monotheism, nor does it create two gods. Rather, it demonstrates, as we have seen with both Adam and Jesus Christ, that Israel's God can invest his unique attributes and name into special human beings acting as his agents here on earth. Moses, who both spoke on God's behalf and demonstrated empowered miracles in Pharaoh's court, functioned as God's highly empowered human agent. The point here should not be missed. Moses is a human being who is called God in a manner that was not offensive to Judaism or their strict monotheism. Bearing the name of God, Moses acted in ways that are attributed to both him and to God. And this leads to our second point. Our second point today is that Moses shares in God's actions and activities. Throughout the narrative of Exodus, the careful reader will note that the line gets blurred as to whether it is the human Moses or it is Israel's God that is doing a particular action. Moses, invested with God's name and authority, performs actions as a faithful agent. Being an agent of God, Moses can be described as performing an activity, and God too can be described as performing the very same activity. This is how agency functioned in Judaism. If God sends and empowers an agent for a task, then it is as if God himself is accomplishing that task. There are many examples of Moses sharing in the activity and actions of God in Exodus. Let's look at this first one. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 26 to 27, the passage reads, It was the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their host. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the sons of Israel from Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. That's Exodus chapter 6, verses 26 through 27. There we can see that while Moses did the actual speaking, he was speaking God's own words. We can actually see this in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 12, where God says, quote, Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. That's Exodus 4 and verse 12. Thus, Moses speaks on God's behalf. The narrative makes a strong connection between God and Moses with the striking of the Nile River. Note how it's worded in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 20. Quote, so Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded, and he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the water that was in the Nile turned to blood. This is Exodus chapter 7 and verse 20. Yet, a few verses later, we see that God is depicted as the one who performed the miracle. In Exodus 7 and verse 25, it says, Seven days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. End quote. The miracle is attributed to both God and Moses, precisely because God has invested his activity and actions in the hand of the human being Moses, the prophet acting as God's representative agent. Further examples can easily be supplied. In Exodus chapter 8, both Moses and God are credited with the plague of gnats. In regard to Moses, 
Exodus chapter 8 and verse 16 states, quote, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, that it may become gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. End quote. That's Exodus chapter 8 and verse 16. Three verses later, however, the text gives credit to God, saying, quote, The magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. End quote. That's Exodus chapter 8 and verse 19. Here, the miracle is credited to both Moses' command to Aaron and to God's own finger. Of course, the climactic miracle in Exodus is the parting of the Sea of Reeds. In Exodus 14, 14, the reader notes that, quote, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. That's Exodus 14, verse 14. Yet, two verses later, we can clearly observe what God says to Moses. Exodus 14, verse 16 says, As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Through the obedience of Moses' actions, the text can again revert to God's activity in 14, verse 21, which says, quote, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. That's Exodus 14 and verse 21. There we can see that God is the one that's going to do the fight, but Moses is the one that lifted up his staff, and yet God is the one that swept the sea back. So the activity is credited to both the Lord and to Moses. After the Exodus had concluded, the chapter shows that the Israelites placed their faith and belief in both Yahweh and Moses. This passage reads, When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. That's Exodus 14, verse 31. As the empowered human being bearing God's name, Moses repeatedly shares in God's actions and miracles. Our third point today notes how Moses shares in God's glory. Having already noticed that God has shared his glory with the primordial human being Adam, it is not surprising when the same empowerment is given to the human being Moses in the book of Exodus. Having received the tablets of commandments for a second time, the narrative of Exodus describes Moses bearing God's glory in the following manner. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. That's Exodus 34, verses 29 through 30. Moses' face bore the shining glory of God, causing the Israelites to fear. Moses, representing God as God's empowered prophet, is able to bear God's glory and to shine this glory to the sons of Israel. The Israelites, as we see in this passage, were afraid to come near him. It is not surprising that the same fear that occupied their minds and words was also present at the giving of the commandments in Exodus chapter 20, which says in verse 18, All the people perceived the thunder 
and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. That's Exodus 20 and verse 18. It is noteworthy to point out that after descending from the mountain with the commandments from God, the glorified Moses did not wear his veil while he communicated the words to the children of Israel. Check out this passage in Exodus 34, starting in verse 32. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went up before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. That's Exodus 34, verses 32 through 35. As we can see, Moses was deliberate in openly bearing his glorified face with the Israelites. Every time Moses would come into the presence of God, he would expose his face. The glory of God was invested in the human being Moses. And it was in and through this human figure that God's glory was seen by the children of Israel. Our fourth point today is looking at depictions within the Gospels of Jesus in light of Moses' high human status. Having noted that Moses a human being, was empowered with God's name, shared in God's activities, and even bore God's glory. We now possess a responsible interpretive lens through which we can better understand how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John depicted the highly empowered human being, Jesus Christ. Let's look at passages that show that Jesus Christ also bore the name of God. In Matthew 21 and verse 9, the passage says, The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Matthew 21 verse 9, where the crowds recognize that Jesus comes in the name of the Lord. He comes in the name of Yahweh. In Luke 19 verse 38, the crowds are shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, that is coming in the name of Yahweh there in Luke chapter 19, verse 38. Jesus himself says in John's gospel, John chapter 5 and verse 43, that, quote, I have come in my father's name. That's John 5, verse 43. And Jesus is outright called God in John 20, 28 by Thomas. This passage reads, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. That's John 20. In verse 28. So, just like Moses being called God, Jesus can be called God because God has invested his name in Moses and God has invested his name in Jesus. Jesus also shared in the actions and activity belonging to God. In Matthew chapter 9, it gives an example of Jesus forgiving sins. This passage reads, starting in verse 2, And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. Jesus responds later and says, So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, 
Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. That's Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8, to where the authority of God to forgive sins was clearly invested in Jesus, the Son of Man. John chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, also demonstrates Jesus sharing in God's activity. The passage reads, For this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, quote, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. That's John 5, 16 through 17, where Jesus says that the father is working on the Sabbath, and now Jesus is also working on the Sabbath, sharing in God's unique work. Later in John chapter 5, starting in verse 26, Jesus says this, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. That's John 5, verses 26 through 27, to where the Father has invested the authority to execute judgment in Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of Man. There we can see that Jesus shares in God's unique prerogatives to forgive sins, work on the Sabbath, and execute judgment. We can also see that Jesus bears God's glory on his face, just as Moses bore the glory of God upon his face. In the account of the Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 1, the passage states, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. That's Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 2, where Jesus also reflects the light on his face upon a mountain, just like Moses. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, the high human Christology depicted in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is dependent upon earlier Jewish portrayals of empowered human beings like Moses and Adam. Within the book of Exodus, Moses is called God by Israel's God himself. Moses also shares in God's actions and miracles, as Exodus attributes these feats to both God and to Moses. Lastly, Moses bears God's awesome glory upon his face. While Moses can indeed be described with all these highly exalted accolades, Moses remained a human being who did not compromise the strict monotheism of the Israelites. Number two, having examined Moses and the manner in which God empowered Moses with his unique prerogatives, we observe that the human being Jesus Christ also acted in the name of God, and was called God by Thomas on one occasion. Jesus also described as sharing in God's ability to forgive sins, God's ability to judge the people, and God's action of working on the Sabbath. Finally, Jesus is depicted as having been transfigured in a vision where his face shone like the sun, and, like Moses, Jesus was on a mountain when this occurred. And number three, it appears that for the New Testament Gospels to call Jesus God, to depict Jesus in sharing in God's activities, and to describe Jesus bearing God's glory, 
does not equate Jesus with Yahweh. Rather, the Gospels describe a human being who is fully and authentically sharing in God's attributes, just as the human being Moses was bestowed with the very same traits. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us. You can check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, my name is Dustin, your host. Until next time, you folks take care and have a good year in 2019.